0: I scream, you scream, we all scream, for quality science fiction and fantasy content. For an extra scoop of sword and lasery goodness, go to patreon.com slash swordandlaser. laser.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to The Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. Mm hmm. I'm drinking water. Fancy. You're fancy. It keeps me hydrated. I'm drinking Zip Fizz. Um, what is Zip Fizz? Zip Fizz! Um, it's basically these little, little like, Pods that you pour into a bottle of water. I like use five my five-hour energy drink. Kind of. They have like they have caffeine in them, but they also have a lot of vitamins and minerals. Okay. And they taste good. And I have a really hard time drinking a lot of water unless it has a little bit of flavor to it. Mm. Okay. Um, All right. I'm a big have Lacroix warine? fan. Does it? Does it? What did warine you say? Is
0: the one that I always get afraid of. Let's see. I didn't mean to make you have to look at the ingredients on the bottle. I'm sorry. What
1: do we got here?
0: Oh, my gosh. You have a big old box of them.
1: Oh, yeah. All right. It has um hmm. That looks other like it should contain a,
0: an action figure or something.
1: I don't see any guarine in here. All right. There's caffeine from... Ooh, ooh. The caffeine is extracted from guarana seed extract.
0: Oh, I have exact, no idea if that exact, means... Is that the same? <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not in the list of like good supplement facts.
0: Biloba extract is another one I would see. I don't know what that is either.
1: Is, it, is that one scary?
0: No, that's just one I see all the time.
1: Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of garbage in this. Uh, green tea leaf <laughs> extract, green coffee bean extract, grape seed extract, grape skin extract, caffeine, and alpha lipoic acid. That's that's hiding
0: things behind names, isn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to have to be careful tonight. I've got a bit of a cough, and I just realized I don't have any way to mute myself in this recording. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) So when you hear
0: Veronica laughing hysterically at everything, it's really just her covering up a cough.
1: All right. I'll try to... (laughs) I'll try to... Do it when I'm not talking, so that way later Jim can go back and edit all my awful coughs. I have I, I've had a cold for thirteen days. Thirteen days, people. And I am Send on the good vibes. And I have a wicked sinus infection that I'm finally on antibiotics for, so I should start Oof. to feel better soon. Yeah. But it's been gnarly. Oh boy. Yeah. Anyway, so I'll try to control my 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 intense coughing. Maybe the
0: antibiotics will quickly burn it out of your sinuses
1: that's what i'm hoping happens wait i don't get it
0: because our next segment is
1: clean. oh he's moving me along down uh, the lineup uh it is the quick burns <laughs>
0: Mark wrote in and said, uh, Sword and Laser has been nominated for a 2018 Parsec Award in the general fan or news podcast category. The Supremes, I like that, previously won a 2014 Parsec in this category, but this time the podcast is authored by Erotica Belmont and Tom Merritt. Mm. The things we learn by following Sword and Laser on Twitter.
1: Yes, I don't know who nominated us, but I definitely got a kick out of that. Though someone did say that, um, can you hear that? Did you hear that squeaking? I did. That is uh, my husband installing a uh, oh I got to text him to stop that. What's he doing? He's installing like a, t- a TV stand thing, oh. like a wall-mounted TV stand. It sounds like a dog toy. Yeah, it does. And actually we have, I, at first I thought it was Piggy because we have a toy uh, named Piggy. Okay. That's a squeakable toy. Uh-huh. And I got, I wasn't feeling well the other night, so I went down uh, downstairs early and it was still dark and I stepped on Piggy and, like, when you step on it, it doesn't make the sound. It's when you release it oh. that it goes, wee. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, <laughs> it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, everybody definitely heard that just now. But yeah. it was fine. Um, so, anyway, thank you. Yes, we are very excited to be nominated um, and uh, accepting that nomination. and. It's uh, it's going to be fun. They're not doing the live Parsec anymore, um. So that's right. That's too bad over at DragonCon, yeah. but it makes it easier for us to attend virtually. Virtually, yeah. yeah. Attend virtually.
0: Is did did you find out if it was autocorrect or s- someone?
1: That's right. You know, someone on Twitter did say that sometimes when they're typing my name out, it autocorrects to erotica. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure sh- if that says like uh, some more about them than it does about autocorrect. Mm, good question. So, Oh, we got some freaky fans out there.
0: Autocorrect doesn't ever seem to learn things I type, though.
1: Autocorrect always seems to think when I type the word you, Y-O-U, that I'm talking about some friend I have named you, capital Y-U. Oh, uh uh-huh. And it changes it constantly. And I've looked all through my contacts. There's nobody with the last name you. I don't know anybody by that name. It just has decided that that is the important thing I need to type and not like, hey, you it's hey, you <laughs> so comma in there. Yeah. Emily says, hey, there's a GoFundMe started by Mary Robinette Kowal to help River Solomon get to the Hugos. It made just over a third of its goal, and apparently anything extra will go to helping other Hugo finalists. Um, it seemed worth mentioning since River Solomon is the author of a recent group pick, An Unkindness of Ghosts, and supporting authors is always nice. Note that that funded twice over, so Mary made it a GoFundMe to get multiple Campbell Award nominees to the Hugo's. So awesome! Yay! I can't believe I didn't see that at all. I definitely would have contributed. I still will.
0: Oh yeah, no, it was it it, it funded fast. Uh, so they're gonna come. River Solomon's gonna be there. That's gonna be great. Uh, That's maybe we'll awesome. Get a chance to meet them. I don't know. Uh, but uh, if the, if we do, I will say I really loved your book. Uh, um, and. Yeah, if you want to help some deserving authors get over to the Hugos, first of all, way to go, Mary Robinette Cole, for spearheading this effort. And the GoFundMe is still up. GoFundMe.com slash bring rivers solomon dash <laughs> well, oh, two dash the dash Hugos. We'll put it in the show notes.
1: notes. It'll be in the show notes for sure. Uh, do Mark worry.
0: says more
1: awards. The Scribe
0: Awards nominees are out. These are media tie-in creations and tend to fall under our radar, so much so that I couldn't find any official announcement. Here's the list from one of the nominated authors, David Mack. Uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, X-Files, Planet of the Apes, Predator, Doctor Who, Torchwood, The Librarian, Supernatural, and more. I love this uh, because, yeah, I don't think the the tie-in novels often get the attention that they deserve because there's this feeling that they are throwaway novels uh, hmm. because they were, they were sort of underprioritized in their early days of conception. But I don't think that's true anymore. You have really good authors doing tie-in novels in the Star Trek and Star Wars universes and Warcraft, etc.
1: Specifically, what is a tie-in novel? You know, I don't know
0: how this award... Uh, I don't know how the Scribe Awards define it. That would be interesting to look up. But generally, it means there's a movie or TV franchise, Mm. and the novel has to take place within that franchise's world. Okay. So So it's not
1: necessarily canon-
0: well, first, it it might be uh, for Star Wars, for instance. Mm-hmm. They they reset canon. They said everything up until Force Awakens is no longer canon. But then the new books that have been coming out from, say, Claudia Gray, uh, etc., et cetera, th- those are all canon now.
1: Oh, okay, I see. I, I think I'm understanding a little bit more now about what this means. And yeah. when I first heard tie-in, I immediately my brain went crossover, and I was like, oh my god, there's a whole award. For like crossover novels between two different like fandoms.
0: That you know, wouldn't would that be, be fun? Freaking awesome. And there have been a couple examples of the the one that springs to mind is a comic book, but it's Doctor Who Meets Captain Picard.
1: What? That happened. Yeah.
0: There's a comic series about that.
1: I want that. I want that. I want that. <laughs> Mark says the 2018 Locus Award finalists have been announced. A boatload of familiar authors and titles. Very difficult to pick some winners. Two SNL picks are up for best first novel. That would be The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter and An Unkindness of Ghosts. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we've got um, for science fiction novel... Persephalus Rising uh, by James S.A. Corey, Walk Away by Corey Doctorow, The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley, Providence by Anne Leckie, Raven Strategum by Yoon Ha Lee, Luna Wolf Moon by Ian McDonald, Seven Surrenders by Ada Palmer, New York 2140 by Kim Stanley Robinson, The Collapsing Empire by John Scalzi, and Born by Jeff Vandermeer.
0: I guess we have to read the fantasy ones, too, then. Yes. Uh, Stone in the Skull, Elizabeth Bear, City of Miracles, Robert Jackson Bennett, Ka, Dar Oakley in the Ruin of Immer by John Crowley, The House of Binding Thorns, Aliette de Bedard, The Ruin of Angels by Max Gladstone, Spoonbenders, Daryl Gregory, The Stone Guy, N.K. Jemisin, Jade City by Fonda Lee, The Delirium Brief by Charles Stross, and Horizon by Fran Wilde.
1: That's awesome. A lot of authors we know and love, so that's very exciting. I actually have been really meaning to read Ka by John Crowley. I got I a copy of it, and it looks fantastic. And so I'm really excited to take a peek at that one.
0: Uh, well, then we shall take a peek. Now, TRP said, I haven't seen this elsewhere in the group, so apologies if this is old news. Uh, it's not too old. I think it's it's from earlier in April. But the BBC are filming an Edwardian set version of The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. In other words, set in the period in which H.G. Wells wrote it. It uh, stars Eleanor Tomlinson. Uh, you might know her from Poldark. I do. Uh, Rafe Spall, who was in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Robert Carlyle, who's in Train Spotting and Once Upon a Time. Uh, Robert Carlyle. He was also in Stargate Universe. And uh, Rupert Graves from Sherlock.
1: Fantastic.
0: That's a good cast.
1: Yeah, that sounds rad. I think they did the War of the Worlds one with Tom Cruise. Remember the film? Yeah. And I don't remember it being very good. Is my recollection correct on that? I don't remember it. I watched it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I, re- I, I think I, re- if my, re- if I remember, my reaction was okay. That, right, that was I a d- movie. Didn't, it didn't turn me off. I don't remember going, oh, that was awful, or anything like that. Like I just barely had a reaction to it.
1: Yeah. Um. So I think this sounds like it could be much more interesting, yeah, especially with cool. the time period and with the actors involved. Uh, Deradara says, "Fire and Blood: The History of the tar- Targaryens." Targaryens. Oh, it's been a <laughs> while since the Targaryens. The Targaryens.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't have made you laugh. I'm sorry. You set
1: me off. <laughs> okay. Um, it will be releasing in hardcover on November 20th, straight from the man himself, George R. R. Martin. Putting out release dates.
0: However, FL notes that George R. R. Martin has also said winter is not coming this year. Not uh, anytime wins of soon. Winter will not be coming out in
1: 2018. Oh. Doesn't he know he just opens himself up to this stuff when he announces release dates for other books?
0: Here's my theory after seeing these one after the other, which is probably just pattern recognition and has no relation to the truth. What if what's happening is as he's writing Winds of Winter and probably the next book, because he tends to work on more than one at once, he's realizing that he really needs to get the history straight because... The history of the Targaryens is going to play, and it makes sense, the history of the Targaryens would play very deeply into the end game for this story. And mm-hmm. so he's been going back and doing all of this backstory work because we keep getting backstories published from him. And I'm, I'm thinking maybe what he's doing is he's like, I have to get all the backstory straight because he is a perfectionist before I can really set up the ending right. Uh, and that's why we keep getting... Fire and Blood, the history of the Targaryens, and and that Game of Thrones table uh top book that, that was about the entire history of Westeros. Right. Because he really wants to get all that stuff straight before he finishes the story.
1: Yeah, I th- I think that's a that's definitely a good good insight, good perspective no on that.
0: No, no idea if that's true.
1: No one knows what is in the mind of George R. R. Martin. That's Probably for not sure. even George R. R. Martin. Maybe not. <laughs> all right. Oh, I you know, I wanted to before we jump into Barry's Sword. I want to tell you that I finished the entire first season of The Man in the High Castle.
0: Oh, and? I loved it. Oh, good. So. You you almost make it all the way through the events in the book. They obviously depart from the events in the book and in places. In the first but season? In the first season, yeah. So the second season is really interesting because there's a couple of things still being taken from the book and plopped into a later timeline, but Mm -hmm. there's also entirely brand new events that are just being invented uh, that are fascinating. And as a Philip K. Dick fan, and as this being my favorite book, uh, I really am happy with the way they're doing it. It feels to me like a a projection, like a continuation of that tone. Uh, In a lot of ways, it's very different because you can't take some of the paranoia that Philip K. Dick writes Mm-hmm. And put it on, on screen. But with the exception of that part of it, I, I it's some of the things that are my favorite parts of Man in the High Castle are continuing in that series.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I, I started the first, uh, I think, two episodes of the new season so far. So enjoying that as well. Um, would you rather live in the Pacific States or the Reich?
0: Pacific States, if I had to yeah. pick between those two. Absolutely.
1: For sure. Yeah. For sure.
0: And that's not just because I I do. Because <laughs> we already <laughs> <Currently>. do. I <laughs> um,
1: don't even have to move.
0: No, I just I mean, it's it's basically like a, a a strict society with lack of freedom or an impressive society that would might kill you.
1: Mm.
0: Like, well, yeah. I'll take the lack of freedom and at least not, you know, probably maybe live.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would definitely not make it very far in the Reich. They'd be like, oh, it no. would look like, yeah, no way. Um just with my my heritage, especially. Anyhow, happy thoughts. Wouldn't uh, have been able into... to marry
0: my wife in the Reich. No me? way.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, let's jump into Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. First off, I wanted to say thank you so much to John Taloni and Tanya for that amazing rendition <laughs> of "We Are Bob, We Are Legion." We are. Sorry. We, we are, are the, Bob. the Bob. We are the Bob. We are the Legion. Um, and also thank you to the person who thought it was me singing ah. at the end. <laughs> it wasn't. Tanya's a way better singer than I will ever hope to be. Um, so go check out the end of the last episode, um, episode number three, twenty two. If you want to hear that, if you missed it somehow last time, uh, I love stuff like that. The fans are so rad. You guys are great.
0: I mean, taloni and Tanya sounds like a touring act to me.
1: I'm saying if if they want to travel and come to the to the to the Hugo's this year and like give us a live rendition, that would be amazing. It's putting that out there. Uh, we got a thread
0: here we want to talk about, started by Christos, who was watching Legends of Tomorrow and noted that one of the characters in this world full of time travelers and superheroes was into D and D, and it made Christos say. Well, hold on. When you're in a world filled with magic and aliens and superheroes and super science, just go outside and try to become a sorcerer or a superhero. This is coming from someone who rarely goes outside, Christos writes. Do you think you would read sci-fi and fantasy books if you were in a sci-fi and fantasy world when you could Mm. just watch the news for your fix?
1: DJ had a good response. Um, They said, I think the answer is yes. Yes. People that play sports still like to sit down and play sports games. Would everybody? No. But there would be people that play D&D, even if they live in a world just like it. Yeah, I believe I would. No different than now when I'm in my own head pretending to be a race car driver when I'm driving down the highway or a pilot when I'm on an airplane. I believe that people who are wizards would pretend to be the cool rogue or people who are warriors would pretend to be the smart wizard.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think DJ nailed it. We don't read books just because, and and not even genre books, just because the world is unattainable. We read them because we want to live out a different story than our own. Yeah. So I would think it would be weird if a time-traveling superhero was playing a time-traveling superhero role playing game maybe but even then like you said like dj points out people that play sports still play sports games so maybe it's just fun to not have the pressure of being you but still being you like that that's kind of why we play games is is it's risk free right you can you can do all these adventurous things and not have to worry about the implications of them cuz it's just a game
1: yeah i mean that's what role playing is yeah i mean we live in a world where Adults role play all sorts of different characters that exist in our world all the yeah. time. Adults to- role
0: play as responsible people. <laughs> <laughs> they they role play as parents. <laughs> Do they? I mean, they role play. Yeah,
1: maybe for like giant man babies and diapers, where that's like a sexual kink.
0: No, I just mean parents pretend oh. like they know what they're doing. From oh. all accounts. <laughs>
1: I went straight to man babies in diapers. <laughs> you
0: did. You really did. We, like, we saw that in Las Vegas. It was very strange.
1: Did you, you, you did.
0: Uh, Scott Johnson did. I did. Scott not see Scott Johnson you. did. Yeah. It was, they, there were people dressed as man babies uh, hanging out.
1: That's, um, that's funny. Yeah. I, I think there's also a really great comic. I have to say that, um, that uh, Allison posted in here. It's a, it's four dragons <laughs> and they're playing a tabletop game. And then the first one says, you leave the party and your wife says, why did you joke about my hair? The second (laughs) one goes, you're so dead. And the third one says, come on, Hyrule, avoid an argument. (laughs) I love it.
0: Parties and humans, my favorite game.
1: (laughs) Awkward social interactions, the tabletop game. (laughs) <laughs> and then we have a thread here um, that I got a kick out of from Deradara, who says, uh, GQ has 21 books you don't have to read, along with suggestions for, in the author's opinion, better alternatives. So, uh, like, for example, Manuel Gonzalez, author of The Regional Offices Under Attack, suggests A Wizard of Earthsea instead of Lord of the Rings. They say, I liked The Hobbit a lot. But while Tolkien's Lord of the Rings books are influential as exercises in world building, as novels they are barely readable, it never seemed to me that Tolkien cared about his story as much as he cared about rendering, in minute detail, the world he built. Why not instead read Ursula K. Le Guin's Magnificent, and as beautifully rendered, Stories and Novels Surrounding Earthsea? Le Guin captures the world of Earthsea through a powerful, dark, gorgeous kind of storytelling that is irresistible. Perhaps Le Guin's work, along with the entire universe of fantasy fiction, wouldn't have been possible without Tolkien's influence behind it, but in its time, Le Guin's books are more influential and make for better reading.
0: I really like the premise of this, which is, hey, those books that everyone says you have to read, there's really great alternatives, but it turns into clickbait really fast, 21 books you don't have to read. All right, why, why don't I have to read them? And then setting up Le Guin as Le Guin's good and Tolkien's not really turns me off. It's like, yeah. well, no, I love Tolkien. I disagree with you. We all like different things. Why do you have to make it like you're wrong for liking something? That That's what I got out of this. When it's the fact is Wizard of Earthsea is fantastic and you don't need to bring Tolkien down to raise Le Guin up. So, it kind of took the wind out of my sails cuz I was kind of excited about this. Like, yeah, people should know like, hey, there's there's more than than just the five books you may have heard of out there. And mm-hmm. then it turned to it's kind of turned into a I don't know, left a bad taste in my mouth.
1: Yeah, I think instead I I prefer the 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 idea of, hey, if you liked this and want something more like it or want to take it to the next level or want to continue going down that path, check this out. Yeah. I
0: mean even if you didn't like Tolkien which is fine apparently this person didn't and that's and that's fine uh you know it's it's all good but Le Guin captures the world of Earthsea through a powerful dark gorgeous kind of storytelling that is irresistible is great you don't need to surround that with things about like how Tolkien you know overwrote and stuff like mm-hmm. That's not the point. In fact, I almost feel like you take away from Le Guin by we have to tear down Tolkien in, in order to appreciate Le Guin. No, you don't. She stands on her own, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> like she's a titan. You, totally. You don't do anything.
1: And then we have a couple of tweets that I thought were pretty great. Uh, at Carrie T says, have you guys seen this new bundle? And yes, boy, did I ever. A humble bundle uh, put out a new bundle of books. Uh, this one is going towards supporting the SFWA. Which is obviously an organization that we care a lot about.
0: Right, the um, San Francisco Water and
1: Association.
0: <laughs> no, it's the Science Fiction Writers. So
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so they're they're awesome. So you can pay pretty much whatever you want. There are so many books here. I think it's like thirty-seven books. This is and, my problem with humble bundles, and the reason I know this. Great, and the then reason, I'm like,
0: I will never be able to read all these things. They're all so good.
1: The reason I know this is because I bought them all. Uh-huh. And now I just downloaded 37 books onto my Kindle. Because <laughs> I haven't read any of them. I haven't read any of them.
0: No, we haven't we haven't mentioned most of these. Peter S. Beagle's In Calabria, uh, Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler, uh Tea with the Black Dragon by R. A. McAvoy, The Sheep Look Up by John Brunner. I mean, these are these are great books.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited too about uh, Rich Horton's The Year's Best Science Fiction and Fantasy 2017. Um, cause I think I have the 2016 one mm. and I never, never got around to reading it. <laughs> so, um, man, I'm burning through books now that I, this is going to sound really mean. It's not meant to now that we're not doing vaginal fantasy anymore. Like I am like just burning through books left and right. It's crazy.
0: You've, you've exercised and now it's paying off. You get to run a yeah. marathon.
1: And, uh, also I've been sick, desperately, desperately. Oh, Ill. right. So you need so. something to, Yeah. A lot of book time happened in this month. Um, So yes, thank you very much, uh, Carrie T, for alerting me to that um, because I hadn't heard about it and I was very excited to participate and donate.
0: And then Geeky Awesome Jen uh, on Twitter wrote, I went to a pottery painting place and painted
1: a lem. And the lem is so beautiful. Colored her dragon Mars. (laughs) Geeky Awesome Jen is also the person who stitched me a lem, who crocheted me a lem, so like her limb skills are on point.
0: Yeah, uh, and this 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 painted limb you will you have to you have to go to the show notes and click it and take a look. It's so cute.
1: I'm just gonna put the picture in the show notes, like just in there, just, so people have to look at it. Just embed it, yeah, yeah. I'm just no, gonna embed absolutely. it because it's amazing. So thank you. That was rad. Let us kick off
0: our book of May, Knight's Master, the first in the Tales from the Flat Earth series by Tanneth Lee. This reminds me a little bit of The Witcher in that Hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. exactly a story. It's not a novel. It's a set of stories. And so at first you're going to feel like, oh, I guess I'm just reading a collection of short stories. But they slowly intertwine over time. And in fact, people I know who've read the entire Tales from the Flat Earth series say it keeps paying off. The more you read, the more the backstory starts to inform and in in that sense, what I love about Knight's Master is it reads like you're reading some culture's actual mythology,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and and you get that same payoff when you read like Greek mythology or or or, or Chinese mythology, where the 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 gods from one story start to show up in another one. And you're like, oh, because I know that person did that. That makes more sense that they did this. And Tanith Lee pulls that off. But instead of requiring an entire culture over time to create it, she just made it up herself. She's genius.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I had no idea what I was getting into with this book. And as I was reading it, I'm like, this doesn't feel like a traditional like narrative story. Like right from the start, it felt very different. I'm like, okay, this is more like a collection of stories happening to the same characters or with a a central character that everything is kind of revolving around or related to. And once I kind of got that in my mind, like it, it made it a lot easier to read. And just the prose itself, like the writing is so detailed and fascinating and I have to say, there's some pretty flowery phrasing of really graphic sexual content that I think was both like, "Oh my god," but also like, "That's a really weird way to describe that." <laughs> that kind of so yeah, there's a lot of Tanith Lee is is known for her adult content. So just if if you know those kinds of depictions are not something you're down with, maybe hop into the forums and get in on the discussion about you know your comfort level. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: that's a that's a smart idea.
1: Yeah, but it's it's man. I was I almost cracked up in the first in the first chapter because I was like, (sighs) "Well, this description of sex is crazy." (laughs) Here, and that's the thing
0: is, I am not someone who who really loves a sex scene in a book. Uh, It's 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 that and chase scenes for some reason. I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) rather live them than be in than read about. But uh, but these these sort of just. I, I don't know if it was like watching, <laughs> watching I don't want to say like watching a car wreck, but I was just like, wow, what a strange and interesting way of describing that in such a way that I barely realized that that's what I'm reading. But yeah, that's what I'm Yeah, I had to I'm read reading. those
1: lines a few times. Yeah, yeah. I had to like be like, is this what, is this the innuendo here? Is that what, like, what we're she talking means, about?
0: Oh, that's what she means. Okay.
1: Yeah. So there's a little bit of that uh, which cracked me up, um, and I do love a good sex scene in a book. That is, I have spent six years of my life reading that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you, fifty I don't think percent you of done what, that what I read. Um, so this, yeah, to me, it, it's not the kind of of sex stuff that gets you like riled up. It's more like, huh,
0: no. hmm,
1: yeah. okay. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, but yeah, it's the I think thinking
0: person's sex
1: scene. <laughs> yes. Um, I have finished the book already, so I'm going to be, uh, delicate in my conversations about it. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I, I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff in this, in this book and I like the way it's laid out and it took me a couple of chapters to really get into the flow of it. Um, but then after that I was pretty riveted and it, it's, it's, I mean, it's about demons and it's very it's it's dark and it's it's sensual and the writing is amazing and I think it's it's fascinating from like a, a fairy tale slash mythology perspective because that's really what it feels like it feels almost like a like a like a Grimm's fairy tale kind of thing also yeah
0: I I think also the fact that and and we just did it ourselves that people make such a big deal about the erotic nature of parts of her stories P- some folks get turned off. And like, nah, I don't think she's for me. And they don't try it. I I was so glad that I read Tenet Lee because that is not the main takeaway from her writing. The main takeaway is the lushness of the world she creates. And I was thinking about this because uh, I'm listening to the audiobook for this. I, I was walking the dog and I'm listening to it and I'm like, you know what it is? She writes what should by all accounts be the kind of prose that people point at as this is overwriting this this is this is overdoing it avoid this and yet she is a master at it mm-hmm. she doesn't overwrite she doesn't you know it's the kind of writing that that I think Kids sometimes feel like, oh, I'm going to write fantasy, so I'll, I'll talk about demons, and and they overdo it. And she knows. She's like, no, 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 you don't overdo it. You go, you go this way with it. Instead of yeah. bringing it more real and making it, you know, more relatable, she somehow makes it more magical. And and I don't know that there's anyone else that really does it like her. The closest I can think of that that has that I've read is N.K. Jemisin.
1: And I mean, come on, have have has anybody read the actual like Greek and Roman mythologies? They are so sexual and so violent and so to a lot of people very perverse. yeah so or, uh,
0: you know, many religious texts also yeah <laughs> like uh, all basically all, kinds all of this of shit yeah, yeah. and so this is this is actually I think it's a feat. And I think that's why Knight's Master is so beloved by some people. It's not for everybody, like we said, and and that's fine. Uh, but if if you're into mythologies uh, and and you're into you know sort of parables, even uh, uh, I feel like a lot of this reads like uh, Azran, the demonic prince, is going to be interesting for you to read about.
1: Indeed. Uh, so check it out. It's a quick read, too. So there's there's a, a, a lot to pack into this to this book. Um,
0: That's a, actually another thing to keep in mind is Night's Master is a quick read. But if you get sucked in, the other books start to get long. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it sounds like you know from experience already. Um, I,
0: I read them a long time ago when I worked at Half oh, Price Books back okay. in the 90s. Yeah.
1: So this is a reread for you.
0: It is. And I and I feel like I'm reading it again for the first time
1: mm-hmm. because
0: mm-hmm. I was in such a different place. It it that's an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about it. What you bring in really changes your interpretation of what she's writing to,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because she's got such a, a a a mythological template. Right? You can yeah. kind of plug in your own ideas of what these allegories are meaning.
1: Very true. Very true. Good insight. Um, Well, thank you guys for listening. Hey, by the way, um, next week, we're going to have an interview up with uh, Brian McClellan to talk about his new book that just came out um, or is about to come out, about to come out in this episode, just came out in the next episode.
0: Time travel is hard.
1: Time travel, you guys. Um, So we're really excited to have him back on the show. Um, and of course, as you know, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. So thank you so much to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help us out, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser.
0: Speaking of time travel, uh, if if you would like a book on time travel, go to tomsnewbook.com and possibly help me get my next Pilot X novel funded. It's called Trigger, T-R-I. How do you
1: write so fast? How do you do that? I don't know, but it's there
0: and i need 750 people to pre-order it so please consider tomsnewbook.com uh big thanks to robert blackburn andrew nikovich uh and uh i don't know let's throw kai wood in there y'all are great because you are among the awesome people supporting us at patreon.com slash sword and laser you can also support the show by buying books through our links you can find those links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites in our virtual bookstore sword picks pics
1: Send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions, as you know, happen over on Goodreads at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD6. We'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.